Welcome to the Diving Pod. I'm Lee Mashad, the president of USA Diving. And I'm Aaron Rooney. And I'm Heath Calhoun. As always, we want to say thank you for coming on in advance. And uh, I'm going to kick it over to Aaron to get us started. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much, Lee, for taking our, uh, our call here tonight. We're really excited. Kind of a, a big profile name in the sport of diving that we're extremely excited to have on. But um, before we get too far, just tell us a little bit about your background and then how you became the president of USA Diving. Sure, sure. Well, first of all, let me just say thank you for having me on. I uh, appreciate it at uh, the time, especially. Um, I was a diver. I grew up as a diver. I was on the national team. I went to Michigan on a diving scholarship. Um, and when I graduated from Michigan and I was done diving, I went um, into the world of business. That's what my degree is in. And I was away from the sport for about 25, well, almost 26 years. And, uh, and I was in transportation. Um, I had, long story short is I worked I ran one of the opcos, which is a wholly owned subdivision of a publicly traded company. Um, and they put me in charge of a new acquisition that I'll just be frank, it was not a good acquisition. We carved it up because it was not a good acquisition. And uh, at the end of that process, without boring you with all the gritty details, um, we basically cut it in half, went from about a $90 million a year P&L down to about a $38 million a year P&L, sold off all the non-productive stuff. And when the dust settled, I had worked myself out of a job um, rather than go back and work for our parent company in Dallas, which is what they wanted me to do. I decided to, to take my leave and um, take uh, some time off. My daughter was on her gap year prior to starting uh, medical school. She's a second year med student now at IU. And uh, during that year, she was in a gap year. And I thought it's a great opportunity for me to spend some time with her because when she starts medical school, I'm not sure how much time I'll get with her. Um, and then right after that was at the end of 2019, uh, midway through January, something like that, she came running down the stairs, literally running down the stairs one morning and said, dad, dad, USA Diamonds looking for a CEO. <laughs> and at that point I hadn't really even started looking for a job. I was kind of playing with the idea of starting my old business back up again. Um, and I just thought, oh, okay, well, whatever, I'll reach out to him and see what's going on and talk about it. And about a month later, um, after talking with, uh, guy who was running the job search and then with the uh, chairman of the board and then eventually the board of directors, um, uh, you know, at length, <laughs> when I say at length, I mean at length, um, we came to some, some agreement and I came on board and that was March of last year and March of 2020 and I've uh, been a whirlwind ever since. Perfect. What was your, uh, what was your degree in my, I'm a finance guy. So I have that business background as well. Yeah, I've got two, I've got two of them actually. I've got one in kinesiology. <laughs> and then I've got an MBA. And okay. so it is, yeah. So my, my, uh, my, fo my area of focus originally was I was going to either run uh, medical practices or I was going to do um, something in that field. But that is just not, I found transportation ended up being very lucrative. And so I, I, I just kind of ran with that. Sure. That's, that's great. So just to give our listeners an idea of what's about to come um, in this podcast. So over the last two and a half, three weeks, Aaron and I have pretty consistently once a week, once every other week posted something on social media about this interview coming up. Um, and we had some coaches all around the country reach out to us with some really great questions. So we're just going to kind of uh, propose those questions to you and see what you have so that we when those coaches listen and those uh, club teams, they can kind of hear what you say. Um, and the first one 
is, you know, what is USA Diving's goal moving forward to expand and grow coaches' education? That's a big question. We could talk yeah, yeah. for a long time about, about that one, but let me, let me kind of encapsulate a little bit. Um, there, are, there are many things that have been written by really smart folks inside the sport about developing coach education and ongoing education uh, programs. And uh, I'm sorry, I should differentiate those two. So developing a, an early coach education platform and then an ongoing education program for coaches. So once they get established and they get to the point where they actually have a club, uh, they, can, they can take some ongoing education in all kinds of different areas of focus, whether it be biomechanics or nutrition or who knows what. But the original platform, the basic part of it is probably where we need to focus our main efforts right now. And the reason I say that is because there's a whole lot of smart people that come through diving that we lose to other areas, either a business or, or they yep. go back to school and do different things, or they just frankly absolutely. don't want to be involved in diving because it's hard to make a living. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so it just is. And so in the yep. beginning, I think our original point of focus has to be on that. Those early coaches, those young people who are coming out of school, probably have a degree, but they need some help with, with all the 101 kind of things about either starting a club or running a club or growing a club. Um, and that's, that's kind of where our focus will be in the near term. Wonderful. Very Wonderful. good. Very good. Uh, another one that came in was uh, having to do with mentorship program. It seems like everybody's really looking for a mentorship program. Does, is, does USA Diving have something and plan to explore this? Uh, it just seems like, you know, the technology world we're in with Zoom and everything like that, it, it's, it seems like it would be a pretty straightforward home run. But, you know, being such a big organization, USA Diving, I just we'd like to know if there's uh, is there something some sort of mentorship program out there that's being developed. There, there has been a, a coach mentor program in place for better than 30 years, and it is not well uh, acknowledged and it's not taken advantage of um, to a large degree. There used to be, in fact, a grant program. When I was diving, um, some of the people who are pretty prominent coaches today were in a mentor program and either worked with folks like Ron O'Brien or Dick Kimball, Hobie Billingsley, whoever. So there is a program that exists. We just need to re-energize it and put it... Uh, and put some funding to it. That's, that's really what needs to be done. So if, if I'm a young coach or, or any coach out there that listens to this, if that is in place, where do they go right now to whether that's sign up for it or inquire about it, where would they go for that? Best thing they can do is you can send an email to either myself directly. That's lee.mashad at usadiving.org or at info at usadiving.org. Either one of those will get through to the right people. Okay. And then we can uh, get you in, get you the, all the information that you need, talk about what your objectives are, why you want to be involved in the program. And there is a process that, that has to be gone through. There is an application and so on and so on. What I hope to be able to do is get some more funding for it. If we had enough interest that I could show the powers that be that there is enough interest, we might very well be able to write a, a fairly sizable grant and get it funded. And that would be, that'd be a wonderful thing if you ask me. Well, hope, hopefully our listeners can kind of come through for that and you can get some flooded emails here in the next uh, week or week or so and, and have some startup points um, going on to the next one. Um, you know, in your opinion and seeing it now from kind of the, the top of the pyramid, what holds diving back in the United States from being more of a we're never going to be football, baseball, basketball. But what what prevents us from being that next step up where maybe we're on TV for every single summer nationals or something along those lines? 
we kind of have hurt ourselves over time. I'll be, I'll be real honest with you. Um, we, we, there was a time when we were, when our, everything was on TV and we had lots of sponsors and we had, you know, people knocking the door down basically to come and they wanted to be associated with USA Diving. I mean, we had some of the names that we had, AT&T, we had Speedo, we had Philip 66, we had, you know, on and on and on. And over time, we didn't do a great job of cultivating relationships and we didn't do a great job of developing things like our own assets. And when I say that, what I mean is when you're a sponsor and you're going to write a big check um, or you're going to, you're going to uh, sponsor uh, broadcast rights or naming rights for an event, you're looking for an ROI of some kind. And to your point from a minute ago, we're never going to be football. So we don't have, you know, 10 million viewers every night. What we do have is a really visible Olympic sport that has, uh, as a huge tradition that's, that's been one of the most successful Olympic uh, summer sports of all time in the United States. And we need to get back to the point where we understand who we are, what we have to market, and then become partners, strategic partners with the people who are able to help us to get that, uh, that, that widespread um, notoriety, I guess is the word I'm looking for, even though I don't really like that one. But the point is, we've got to be um, our own best marketer all the time. And we didn't do that for a long time. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the next one that came in here was the Indian River Partnership. Number one, kind of how's that going? And then number two, what can athletes and coaches expect with that partnership in the future? Yeah, that's a really good question. Glad you asked. I'm actually in Fort Pierce, Florida right now. Nice. Just got in not long ago. Um, and, and there's two things in the near term that everybody should understand what this partnership is and what it's not. In the very near term, it's an educational collaboration where we can create, again, going back to your question about coach development, basic curriculum that we could put out there so make it really readily available through a user-friendly medium. So, for example, our learning academy, which is our LMS, is clunky right now. It's not good. It isn't user-friendly. It's hard to get to, blah, blah, blah. They've got already platforms in place because they teach classes online that we can take advantage of where they will help us to make these programs more readily available, easily available with a good user interface. And we've got people on staff who can help us to write curriculum so that we can create programs that will allow for either certification or even eventually down the road, degree programs, which will help wow. young coaches to be able to market themselves to whether it be division one college programs or division two, whatever college programs that want to see that you've actually got a degree in what they're going to hire you to do. So that's, that's the near term and that's sort of the midterm. The long term down the road is at some point, these guys have said they want to build a world-class facility complete with, with high diving platforms, nice. you know, a 20 and 27 meter. Now that is not today. And our base of operations is not going to be here. It's, it's, today it is a, an educational collaboration where we are growing and building and investing in our sport. That's, that's awesome. That's exciting. I don't know. I it, think that's very exciting. It really for is because, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm really excited. I'm up walking around. You guys got me all jazzed up now. I'm, I'm, the reason I say that is they've got the resources. They've got all the people. They've got the staff. They've got money behind it. They can help us to have access to things that we would have a really tough time doing ourselves. And it just, it's a really good partnership. I like the fact that you say you're standing up, walking around, because when I'm on the phone, I'm a pacer by just by nature. I, I get my yeah. hands going. I'm all excited. Yeah. Anytime we get to talk diving, yeah. I'm like explaining it. Like, it's cool to, to know I'm not the only one. <laughs> No, definitely not. You are definitely not the only one. 
Well, I think it, it's such a great partnership. You know, we interviewed Michael Wright a couple of weeks back and he dove at Indian river. And so, uh, you know, he even said, yep. he mentioned that he said, you know, I'm excited to see what comes of this partnership because they have a great tradition of, of diving and sending divers onto the division one level. So, uh, that that's definitely something to look forward to. Um, and you actually kind of walked us right into what our next question is going to be. So what were your impressions, reactions, uh, you know, hopes for the future with the first ever USA diving, uh, high dive competition out there in Utah? So, okay. That's a great, I'm glad you asked. Um, it, uh, the first and most important thing that we wanted to do was to prove to the world, including our insurance carriers and FINA and everybody else that we were capable of, of hosting a, a high quality elite level high diving event that was safe and where there was, you know, excellent, outstanding quality diving. And by the way, the diving was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was really good. So, so we had to prove it. It was a test event for us to a large degree because of that. So we didn't do a, a, a tremendous amount of marketing. We didn't put it out there for, for networks or even for streaming for that matter. What we wanted to do is make sure that we had educated table workers and judges and people who were running the event and have the athletes come in and tell us what was good and what was bad about how they, how the event was run. And then take, take, talk to the people at the venue and say, okay, how would we market this? How many people do you think you could put in the seats for these kinds of things? Because when it comes time for us to go to FINA and bid on something like a world cup event, a world championship event, or even a Grand Prix event, you know, they're going to ask us those questions. They're going to want to know who and how, and who are your knowledgeable folks that can do this and this and this, where's your medical crew coming from? What about your safety divers? So this was really about us proving to everybody that we were able to pull it off. And we did We pull it off. It was, it, it ran, it was great. It was a fantastic event. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's definitely an avenue that Keith and I, you know, we come from the springboard uh, mentality and, and the eyeballs, I feel like the viewership is probably has a higher potential at those high dive facilities and even the platform, mm -hmm. uh, just at the NCAA yep. level, be, just because of the height, you know, you see the flipping, you see the twisting and you're falling from 27 meters. I mean, you do the math, it's almost a hundred feet in the air. It's, it's absolutely right. incredible. It's so very dynamic, really dynamic and for your average viewer who, who watches diving, you know, once a year or once every four years or whatever, and they see these guys, you know, on whether it be springboard or platform doing these amazing tricks, right? They don't understand what all goes into it at all. They just think it's cool looking. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's why synchro has become such a great thing. Nobody really understands it outside of the world of diving. Well, maybe gymnasts or maybe other folks that are in, involved in similar kinds of things, but, but they just think it's cool looking. Well, high diving is really cool looking. Yeah. And it's even better when you, when you present it the right way and you do a little bit of education and you get the personalities involved. And I do, I definitely think that it is an avenue for us to grow a path for divers. So, because, you know, there's only a few, few guys or and gals in the sport who are ever going to make a world championship team or an Olympic yep. team or whatever it might be yep. in standard diving, you know, and 11, we had 11 people go to the Olympics this summer, 11 out of however many thousands of divers there are in the country. Right. But if, I, if high diving was a valid uh, opportunity when I was done diving at the collegiate and at the, you know, at the international standard diving level, I probably would have taken it up. I probably would have gone and, and had some fun with it for a while and seen what I could do. And now that it's going to be an Olympic sport, and by the way, cross your fingers that it is going to end up being an Olympic sport, it's, we still are trying to get it on the agenda as an exhibition sport in Paris. Uh, but now that it's going to be an Olympic sport, I'm just going to remain positive about that. It really provides a lot of people an opportunity to do something and, 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 and continue and stay in our sport. Again, part of our problem over the years has been we lose people from the sport and then 
it's really hard to get them back. Yeah, sure. Hard. So the so, next question here. That was awful long um, answer. Sorry about that. No, no not at all. Okay. We, we like it. That's kind of our goal here. Ask a good question and get out of the way. Let you do the talking. So another one here. Okay. Um, it just says, what are similar niche sports doing to broaden the entrance for new athletes and training for new coaches? I'm going to put a little spin on this. This just totally reminds me of, sure. uh, there's a Netflix documentary called Drive to Survive. It's about Formula One. I've never been a Formula mm -hmm. One fan in my life. Of course, COVID hit, and that was what I wanted to watch because I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn about a new sport. That to me seems like something that would be incredible for diving, like a deep dive into who these people are, how hard they're training, what their goals are, that type of thing, following, you know, either a, a college level athlete or beyond. Is that something that's possible, you know, and, and to, to go back to the original question, what are other sports doing like diving to gain more eyeballs? So some of them are, are um, expanding the scope of who they are. So cycling is a good example, right? Cycling has like 21 national championships in every discipline from road racing to velodrome racing to BMX to, I mean, you name it, right? Yeah. There was a time when, you know, I'm, I'm dating myself here a little bit, but when I was a kid, BMX riding was what burn, you know, you did in, in, on the weekends when you wanted to go out and do something fun and cool, but it certainly was not a, a an Olympic sport of any kind at all. Right. But the, the sports that have done a good job of, of uh, understanding what the, public wants to get from them and how the public sees different avenues for them to be involved have done great. The challenging one for, for like diving, for example, is how do we get people to a pool? How do we get young kids into the pool and, and get them involved at a fairly young age so that even if they don't ever decide to dive 10 meter or, or, or they're not really very good at springboard stuff per se, what could they do? How can they be involved and how can we expand it that way? Well, honestly, the idea of freestyle diving is a really cool one, if you ask me. It's, it's, and if you've ever seen some of this stuff, and if you haven't seen it, by the way, go on YouTube or just Google it and take a look at what I'm talking about. It's not nearly as structured. It's not nearly as limiting. It isn't so in a box. There's a lot of what we would think about as diving, but it has a lot of appeal to the general public. Because again, it's got that cool factor. It's fun. Everybody, you know, anybody who has ever learned to do a front flip, let's just say, front one and a half, whatever it is, and then goes to their outdoor pool, their neighborhood pool in the summertime, they, they do it because they look cool. They do it because it's fun. And people are like, wow, how'd you do that? I can try that. Well, we got to take advantage of things like that. And we've got to yeah. take advantage of um, our ability to get people. No, I shouldn't. No, that's not the right way to say it. This is the right way to say it. We should take advantage of that how cool the sport is to, in order to get people to enjoy it, understanding that they don't have to be doing a 109B on 10 meter, <laughs> right? They can come in and they can do a flying gainer flip and be all over the place and nobody cares because it's fun and cool. Yeah. 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 That, that actually, that kind of reminds me of the difference between ski jumping, you know, with the, the tightness in the air, the flips and twists, you land on the, on the, the snow there. And then, like you said, freestyle. You have all those guys that are yep. almost essentially in tuck positions doing flips and twists on a different axis and it doesn't look, you know, crisp and tight, but it looks cool. Yeah. 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 And, and look at some of the sports that are out there, like skateboarding. You know, skateboarding is really, really, they, they've figured it out and they've marketed yeah. it the right way. There was always tons of people who skateboarded, but they figured out how to do it the right way. And we, I don't know that we can necessarily follow exactly their example, 
but it's but they've got the right zone. We just got to figure out how to get ourselves in the right zone. Right, right. You know, so our next question, uh, it was a really interesting question, and I, I had never heard you say this, but uh, some of our listeners have, so I'm going to read it exactly as they, they sent it to us. So, Lee, a few of our okay. listeners have heard you say that USA Diving needs to figure out who we need to figure out who we need to be when we grow up. The listeners are wondering, as the CEO and president of the company and the leader of the organization, who do you want USA Diving to be? Yeah, so, so let me change what, the, what I said was actually we got to figure out who we want to be, not just, right. not, not just that who we need to be, but who we want to be when we grow up. Yep. Um, so I, I'm an old school guy when it comes to diving. Um, I want us to be, um, I want us to be a sport that teaches people not just how to be great divers, but how to be great people. And, and, and bear with me a second while I, while I explain this one. So if you've coached, and I think you both have, I know you both have actually, and you both were divers. Think to that first time that you taught a kid how to do something they were deathly afraid of. The one that sticks out to me is reverse two and a half on 10 meter. It was the first relatively hard dive I learned on platform that scared the bejesus out of me, right? But the minute you do that dive for the first time, you hit the water, it changes your perception of who you are. So then take a look at when, when you got kids that come into a summer program, let's just say, and you got some, and a lot of them are really afraid of things that, that once they've done it, it's nothing for them to do again. I, when I was coaching long, many moons ago, one of the hardest things to get a kid to do was learn a back dive on three meters. Scared <laughs> out of their wits to do a back dive on three meter, right? Then you have to teach them how to do a fall off first. Then you have to teach them how to do all of the progression that goes. But that kid, that six or seven or eight-year-old kid, once they've learned it and they know they can do it, and now they're on their own and they've got that self-esteem rush or build from this thing, changes who they are to a large degree in a very positive way. Yeah. So if we can bring people into the sport, and, and I don't care whether they become a Rex diver and they die for eight weeks in the summertime or they end up going to the Olympic Games – we want to develop people as much as we want to develop good divers. And that means we have to be, you know, a fairly robust program, which starts out with whatever age, age group program, I'm sorry, whatever age level program there is. And that's got to be a fairly standardized deal that we put out there, not just because it's, you know, it, it resonates with families and with kids, but also because there's safety concerns and issues, you know, yep. little, little ones probably shouldn't be on a platform, right? Yep. However, you know, somebody's got good kinesthetic awareness and they're strong in their core and they've got the ability to understand how to do certain things and they follow directions well. Okay, get that kid up on the platform. Mm -hmm. So all I'm saying is I think that we collectively need to figure out a couple things. The first one is, do we want to be this big, robust, huge machine that, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, appeals to a very broad market and brings people in at a grassroots level and develops all the way up through an Olympic level? Or do we want to just focus on an elite tier that, but honestly, there are a lot of sports NGBs that because the charter says that's what they do is they develop Olympic medalists. And that's what the USOPC wants us, us, us and them to do. That's really all they're focusing on. They're not so concerned about that grassroots level. Again, I'm an old school guy. I'd like to see us be all things diving. I, I wouldn't necessarily want us to be just a narrow track even though there's an argument to be made for the fact it's much more easily, much more easy to support from a financial perspective. Right. Right. That answer, that's a big, huge yeah. answer there. 
Yeah, it's a, it, well, it's also a big question. You know, it's a it's a pretty intense question, and and I think you did a great job. And I, I love that you know you're not viewing it from a athletic perspective. You're really viewing it as like we're here to we're here to teach young young individuals, young adults, young kids some life skills. And you know, I had uh, we interviewed Aaron Aaron Diodario last week, and his will come out shortly. And he said something that I I just got to go through today. You mentioned like teaching somebody something scary, and I had a young young girl today, and my fiance was coaching her on three meters. She did her first uh, back one and a half with a half twist, and she looked at me, and she's she's nine, and she goes, "I'm I'm scared," and I'm like, "It's okay to be scared." Like I would be, I was scared too the yep. first time I had to do that stuff, and, and you could see like having an adult tell her that was like, "Okay, I can do this," and she did it. It was great, but um. Real yeah, quick, he, yeah, yeah. I I got a small story on that too. Just this weekend, I had a girl, she, and she's really coming along. She's starting to step up her list, do some harder dives. And first meet, we did the harder dives. She was uh, terrified and and almost broke down, had a full on panic attack, and uh, kind of worked her through it. And we competed the meet. She did just fine. We competed again in a couple of days, and then yet again this weekend. We've we're kind of in our our crazy meet season, so we had three this week, but um. We were at this big meet. She's throwing all these big dives. And I said, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to focus one at a time because when we think about our whole list, it gets overwhelming and it's, and it's crazy and it's scary. And you don't, you don't need to think like that. Just one at a time, focus on you, have a good time on deck. She came up to me after semifinals and she said, Hey, do you think I made the final? She had no idea she was in third place. (laughs) That's great. That's awesome. And you know what you did? You taught that young lady a life skill that she can use for the rest of her life. And that's the coolest yep. thing in the world. I don't, I don't yep. care what, I mean, there's nothing cooler than that. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but there's yep. nothing cooler than that. These kids who learn these things, setting goals and developing work ethic and then performing, even though you're scared as hell and doing something <laughs> against, you know, uh, against that fear and then overcoming it. And I mean, there's nothing better for your self-esteem. Sorry, I interrupted you, but I had to say that. That no, not at all. It, it, it was just, it was one of those moments. I told Heath this story. I said, this was my favorite part of the whole week. You know, she, <laughs> she overcame something that we didn't know was going to be able to, to do and, and it was just, you know what, slow down. Everything's going to be okay. And she did it wonderfully. And I'm, I'm really happy that it went the way it did and, and we're off and running. Yeah, that's, that's, awesome. that's amazing. So, so on, on a little more serious or somber note, I will say this. There was a time when I thought, so I, have a, I only have one child. My daughter is 24. She's a second year med student. She's, she's brilliant and amazing. Of course, I'm biased because I'm, I'm her dad. But <laughs> um, some of the things that I taught her at a young age by teaching her some dives, and by the way, she didn't end up diving. She ended up becoming a swimmer, a pretty good one, not, not necessarily good enough to, to swim at Michigan where she went to school, but she walked on water pole, whole different story whole different story there but the but the the reason i tell you that is because there was a time when i would have told you that as a young woman growing up and especially here in, in america you know you need to have really thick skin and you need to have more resolve and be better at what you do than any of the men that you're going up against because that's just the way the world works yep. diving teaches young ladies those things teaches them how to have thick skin how to compete well how to be you know um, um uh, gracious and how to handle you know uh defeat sometimes with with not just grace but with you know a real uh, ability to to turn it into something positive and take it forward well i'm going to tell you something even more important which is in today's world it's not just about men and women it's about diversity in general and and what we can bring to people is is an ability to believe in themselves and build their self-esteem based upon something that if they are willing to put a little bit of effort into it's just a really cool thing 
It's just a really cool thing. And it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter if you ever qualify for a national champion. It doesn't matter if you make an Olympic trip. None of that matters. What matters is yeah. you set a goal, you went and you did something, you overcame some fear. And, and at the end of the day, you did something that you didn't think you could do. And that is incredibly good for self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, so that kind of, at this point in time, wraps up our, our listeners' questions. And now we're going to kind of get into the questions Aaron and I have kind of been bouncing around. Um, as, as we have interviewed, um, you know, other coaches, Aaron and I get off afterwards and we usually call each other. I'm like, Oh, I, I really want to like know the answer to this. So, um, you know, I noticed this year I, when I was an athlete from, uh, 2006 to 2010, I believe the membership fee for the competition was, uh, $125 for some reason is what sticks in my head. And I think this year it got raised to 200. Um, so, so from a athlete and a parent's perspective, you know, what am I getting with that, that that price increase that is different than what I was getting before. Um, you know, is that going to include more meats, things like that? Yeah. Good. Really good question. By the way, the, the old price was 75, not 125. Yes. So, yes. so it went up, it went up a lot. And I know yep. that. And I, and, the, and I'm the reason that it went up a lot. And I'll just be honest with you and tell you, we were drowning. We needed to find more revenue. Um, the thing that we couldn't do, at that moment was we couldn't raise event fees because they had already done that a year before I walked in the door. We couldn't mm -hmm. deal, couldn't in, uh, implement larger insurance surcharges. They had already done that before I walked in the mm -hmm. door. We mm -hmm. couldn't beat up co coaches and clubs uh, on their, on their entry fees because quite frankly, they're the ones that are supporting the athletes and without them, yep. we're not going to get any growth in our sport. So, yep. so here's what the, and I'm just going to be really frank and blunt just because it's who I am. Okay. Yeah. I think we the, all appreciate the people that. who, okay, good. I'm glad. So the people <laughs> who benefit from, from this, forget about the price increase for a minute, but the people who will benefit from it are the people who are diehard died in the wool USA diving members, because our ability to stay solvent and relevant and keep our charter with the, with the USOPC gives us the ability to form strategic partnerships, like what we're doing with Indian river, which will allow us to create, better education programs. Uh, we'll be able to invest in our coaches, which will allow us to grow our, our footprint in terms of clubs, which will allow us to provide more safe, really quality, solid young coaches who can then reach more people out in the world and bring them into the sport of diving. So as, an, as a fairly elite level athlete, which is what that $200 membership fee is, you're going to get things like better exposure to better coaching and better education. You're going to get more events because as we grow our, our footprint, as we grow our exposure and, and as we build a things like our streaming, we're going to do our own streaming channel. Just so you guys know, nice. when we grow these yeah. things, um, it allows us to get access to more revenue, which then brings more back to the sport, which allows us to run more events. Like we did this summer with the U S open, like we did with the high diving event. And it gives us a better Public image is, is pretty much everything right now because we are we're rebuilding our public image and there's a lot more people out there who are interested in helping us, but they're taking sort of a wait and see attitude about, okay, hold on now. I don't mind coming and helping you, but where's my help going to end up landing? So let me walk that back to what you asked in the first place. The, the initial reason for raising the membership fee was so that we could stay afloat financially because COVID killed us. It shut down yeah. events. It shut down membership shut down everything. We would have been, I have to be honest with you, we would have been in a world of hurt had we not done that. And, and the extra revenue that seems like a trivial amount when you talk about what it is, kept us 
afloat until we were able to start doing events in April when we started doing regionals yeah. again. Think about that for a second. We didn't yeah. do any events, none, for all that period of time. And, and it, we, I mean, we, my hat is off to my staff because they busted their tails. We had to close down our office in Indianapolis to save money. And they worked from home. And they worked, in some cases, some of them were working 70 hours a week. Dan Locke busted his tail for a year <laughs> trying to figure out how to get people in the pool and we wrote letter after letter after letter to municipalities and to, you know, all these people. And I won't, everybody knows it. I don't want to go back into COVID, but everybody understands what that is. So when you talk about the value that you will get, the additional value for the additional cost, my, my comment is you kind of have to take this viewpoint. You're paying it forward for us to yep. build and, and enhance the sport. Yep. And that's, just, that's just the reality. No, yeah. I think. That makes sense. Um, I know Aaron has a question, but you kind of touched on something that Aaron and I have spoke about for a while. Um, you know, and I think we were going to maybe chat about it a little bit later, but you saying you're, you're planning to do a streaming channel, like Aaron and I are here on the camera and we're like jumping up and down because, you know, we mentioned it, it was right after Olympic uh, trials, if I can remember correctly. Um, you know, we, we, we mentioned that we were like, you know, why aren't we doing, you know, our sport, pretty much every major pool you go to has some form of video delay system. You know, why don't we do something, sure. even if there's no commentators as a, you know, I, I kind of take my college coaching hat off when we do this podcast, but when I put it on for this moment as a college coach, if you said, okay, it costs $120, $10 a month or $240 a year to be a member of our streaming service, I would pay that because then I could watch those regional meets that take place in California that I'm never going to be able to go to. And I think there yep. are college coaches across America that they'd be like, okay, this is the easiest recruiting money I've ever spent in my life. And it would be a humongous influx, yep. hopefully for USA diving. So it, uh, it makes us both very excited to hear you say that that's on the table. Well, think about the other side of that equation too. It's not just the coaches in the universities yep. that will benefit from it. What about the athletes? So yep. I grew up in Oregon. So, um, and I dove in a little town, you know, called Eugene, Oregon, which Mark Bradshaw and I grew up, you know, seven miles from each other, right across the river wow. from each other. And yeah, I mean, you know, I learned to dive from the same coach that taught him. Anyway, the point is at that time you had to take a super A or a, an eight millimeter film and send it in to this group who would evaluate you for the all American. The only way many college coaches found out about you, if you weren't somebody who went to nationals, let's say your family mm -hmm. didn't travel and you didn't, that was the only way they found out about you. Yeah. Well, how many athletes, how many divers or how many part-time divers are out there right now that if they could get, you know, their name and their, and their, you know, state finals uh, in, in whatever state yep. they're in out there for everybody to see and somebody go, wow, that kid has a lot of potential. So my, my, I guess what my point is that there's a lot of value in it in a lot of different ways. And, oh, and yeah. that doesn't even speak to the other side of it, which is now we can conduct events that we might not have ever thought about because we lose our tail on it financially, but we can sell streaming rights to advertisers. Yep. put their logo on it or they can bring their own, you know, I don't know, CEO in and you get to make a statement and naming rights and all these things. Those are the kinds of ideas that we didn't do for a long time that we need to do. So you asked me a question a while ago about what do we do? What are other sports doing? How do we grow ourselves? That is a foundational piece. If you ask me. Yeah. 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 I, I kind of want to stay on this topic because we're, we're there. We might as well keep going with it. Yeah. Heath and I have a bunch of just crazy wild ideas and <laughs> some of them are great. And some of them are just crazy and wild. The <laughs> one that we had with okay. this streaming idea was, Hey, if there's a regional meet, if there's a zone meet, if you're at the national meet, why don't we start to invite 
people within diving, whether it's um, Andrew Capobianco or a, a great coach or just us two guys just doing a weird, dumb, cool, awesome diving podcast. <laughs> Why don't we have people commentate some of these dives? And I just think when I listen to, to, to Cynthia Potter and everybody who does the diving commentating, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit stale and, and dull. And I want to see, yep. you know what, if, if somebody hits a dive for a nine, nine and a half, I want them to lose their mind. I want them to get just as excited as that kid who entered the water probably is. And, and I feel like that's something that maybe could be tapped into that uh, at least Heath and I are excited about, but then, you know, I'm sure there's others out there that would love a chance to, to say, Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll throw my voice out there. Why not? Well, it's funny you should say that because, um, so let me, let me back up for a second. You mentioned Cynthia and Cynthia has been one of the biggest advocates advocates for diving for about 50 years now. And wow. she has a certain protocol she has to follow because most of the events that she's announcing are on broadcast TV, most of them NBC. And so, so she has their rules she's got to follow. So she's a little subdued at times because she has to be. I think sure. if you were to yep. say what you just said to her, she would jump up and down and say, you know what, let's do it. How can we do this? <laughs> and to your, to your point, there's a whole lot of us like, like you and I who get up and walk and can't sit still when you start thinking about it. I'll tell you what, <laughs> I had never seen, do you guys know who Josh Hedberg is? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I had never seen him dive. I heard some stories and you always hear things, right? Oh my God, this kid's a phenomenon. You should see this. He does this. He does this. So I, when we got to the Olympic trials and I, and I had a million things going on and, and, uh, Kelly, my, our, our, our communications person, Kelly Fox grabbed me and said, look, you got to watch this. And so he got up there and he did a gainer in practice the first day that I was there. It was a couple of days before the competition. And that dive nines and tens anywhere in the world. And this kid's 14. And I about fell over on the deck because I'm like, oh, my <laughs> God. That's the kind of thing that people who don't know any – the first thing about diving could see that, and they would become very excited because they're like, wow, that's yeah. incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. So it translates to those of us who, again, want to stay in the sport, want to do something with sport, want to help to grow the sport. You know, we've got half a dozen people out there that are fairly well-known um, in, in the social media world as influencers or whatever you want to call them, that already are doing things that could announce or could, could commentate. Yep. We've got people that are on network TV right now that have done announcing for conference meets and things like that who would love to lend their voice to this. So yep. I'm all for it. I, I, I tell you what, let's do it. Let's all understand. Here's the thing we got to do. We got to find the money for some of these things. Yep. So, yep. And that's my job, by the way. You, you guys help me with great, crazy ideas. And some of them I'll tell you, yeah, that's crazy. But some of them, are exactly the kind of idea that if you pitch to a sponsor will resonate with somebody and they'll write a check. Well, so, well here, uh, we've always said this. Oh, go ahead, Lee. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, don't think any of your ideas are stupid. There's no stupid <laughs> ideas. Some of them are a little more out there than others. And I have some of them that are a little more out there, but, but the fact of the matter is we got to keep talking about these things and the group yeah. of us have to come together and decide occasionally we're going to try something that bombs. I mean, it just is right. It yeah. happens. That's okay. It happens. We'll keep going. We'll keep moving forward. So anyway, I'm sorry. You were going to say something. No, it's, it's funny you say that. Cause uh, you know, I think what you just said with, uh, Hey, we're going to try some stuff that sometimes it just bombs. I think that's where Aaron and I were at when we started this podcast. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, needless to say, it's been a success. You know, Aaron and I have said this from the start. I think we actually said it on the Olympic trials thing. 
We'll do it for free. Let us sit on the pool deck. We will be the ones screaming and cheering. We will come and commentate for free because <laughs> we love diving. We love Very true. diving. Yeah. Very true. But, uh, but uh, yeah. Aaron, I, be- I believe you had the next question, actually, Aaron. Yeah. So just one more follow-up idea. As you were talking about, you know, what the membership fee gets you, it, it resonated for me if I was a coach or if I was a parent. So the one thing I wanted to at least throw another crazy wild idea out here is the athletes that we're talking about who are, are essentially paying for this membership fee. Some of them are young, some of them, you know, whether they're 10 years old or they're 15 years old, it's hard for them to understand, Oh, I'm getting this caliber of coach. They're at such a young age. Here's my crazy idea. I'm going to pitch you on this and I have no shame whatsoever. So my family owns a screen printing embroidery shop and how cool as a young athlete, a young 10 year old that signs up for USA diving, just a t-shirt sent out to kind of to everybody that says, welcome to team USA, you know, something so simple, something that I can absolutely hook you up on with a really, really good t-shirt deal. But, but that kind of thing, I just think back to my younger self, like, man, if I had something that said team USA with the USA diving logo, I'd be fired up. I'd be pretty excited to do that. And and like I said, something so small. Well, that's, I, so, so I don't think that's small at all. I think that's a really, really good idea. And we should talk more about it offline about how we make that happen. But here, here's, what you're, here's what I heard from what you just said. There's a million great ideas out there for what value add USA Diving could provide. What we need to know, what I need to understand is what do people think would be valuable? I mean, I, so listen, I came from a world of business where it was, so we've got a small, tiny little budget for a tiny little NGB in the grand scheme of things. I mean, when you compare us to uh, track and field or hockey or soccer, you know, you're talking, or even swimming for that matter, you're talking about NGBs that have hundreds of thousands of members and a lot and a big, big budgets and huge staffs, and they can do a lot of things that we could only dream about doing. Mm-hmm. So um, when I try to think about, okay, what can we do as a small NGB? I'm only limited by my you know, my little brain and what I can think of, I need help understanding what people would value and what makes sure. a difference. So let's just say for the sake of argument, we can find a sponsor or we can, you know, gin up or create an endowment that would allow us to have money that would pay for all of the expenses. And now membership fees could go back to 20 bucks a year or whatever, pick a number. I don't, I don't know what the proper number is. What we still need to provide value. We still need to have a reason why people want to be a USA diving member. What do we yeah. give to them? And I don't know it, what those things are. They exactly. Knowing what those things are. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. And yeah, that, that just totally rang home for me because, you know, when I grew up, I was never in USA diving. I did the high school setting. I, uh, I was just kind of from a town in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, it was one of those decisions of, okay, do I pursue diving at an elite level and move down to the twin cities and join a club or do I just kind of stick it out and, and do my thing where I'm at and I'll just essentially be as good as I'm going to be. And that's what we decided as a family, just to kind of hang out. And, and I had a great career, but uh, you know, like I said, thinking back, if there was, if there was something like, dang, I really want to be coached by Jason Bauman down at the U of M. Mm-hmm. I really, I really want to be, you know, with it. If I, if I had somebody saying, Hey, you should join USA diving you will become way better than, than what you are now. I mean, I probably would have done it. Yeah. Well, and, and there's something to, so if you think about 
and again, it's a very personal thing for most people to think yeah. about what, what matters and what resonates and hits home for them. But, but there's something for everybody. There's, some, there's a reason why people come back to the pool. I mean, I, I remember learning, you know, at some point, if you dive long enough, you're going to take some pretty good wipeouts, right? You're going you're gonna to land <laughs> yeah. pretty flat on something. And, and, and you're going to go home from that practice and be like, why the hell am I, do- pardon my language, why the hell am I doing this? <laughs> and then something makes you come back the next day or the next week or whatever it is. There's something that matters to you that, well, sometimes it's about camaraderie and sometimes it's about the kids that become friends and those are, those are important people to you and you share those experiences. But sometimes it's just a little thing, like a t-shirt yeah. maybe, or maybe it's recognition for something that you did, or maybe, you know what, your parents got to see that you got something out of it because here's you know, I'm going to use your t-shirt example. Oh, here's this t-shirt that we got just because we signed up. And, you know, maybe mom and dad, maybe mom gets a shirt that says diving mom. So, <laughs> or, or whatever, you know, I don't know what yeah. it is. Something that, that matters. Um, I was, oh, I got to side, I got to digress for a second. Um, so uh, my daughter, when she was swimming, um, the, the coach, the high school coach. So I, I got certified as a swimming coach so that I could, I could coach diving because the high school that she swam at, only had a diving program because I came in and coached the divers, but I had to be a certified swim coach. Otherwise they wouldn't hire me for it. Crazy thing. It was, you know, 20 years ago or however long ago. it wasn't 20, but sure. But what I learned was, and, and here's what I learned when you sign up and you become, and you take the course and you pass your exam as a certified coach, you get a whole bunch of swag, right? They send you <laughs> a keychain and a shirt and a, and a cool portfolio. And maybe they send you a little, uh, a stopwatch and things like that. And you're like, Oh, okay. Cool. I get stuff. If I do this, I get stuff. We got to come up with what that stuff is. What matters right. to people. Right. That's great. That's so great. the the next question I had, you, you touched on it a lot, and I'm going to really segue and probably just end up giving you a compliment here. The question was, what are the membership fees used for? Uh, Lee, I'm very involved with my golf course here, and and a few years ago, pre-COVID, uh, we were dying very similarly to what I would assume um, USA diving was kind of at a point of, and the board members made a decision. They made a very difficult decision um, making people move from here to there and, and changing things and changing the structure of everything. And right now our golf club is the most profitable. It's all it's, it's ever been in the last five years. So the decision to do something um, is appreciated. And, and that's where I just want to reach out and say, thank you. Um, I'm sure there are many people that will withhold that. Thank you for raising my fees. Um, but essentially it needed, it, it needed to happen. Something needed to change to continue the success of USA diving and USA diving as a whole, we just took second as a country in the Olympics. So what we're doing is phenomenal. USA Diving is, is a wonderful asset here in the United States. I just wanted to say thank you for doing something because, you know, sometimes that's just what needs to happen. You need to raise your dues every once in a while when, when we run into snags. And, and I love hearing that the raising of dues is to plant seeds in other areas in order to make more sustainable futures, whether it's with the Indian River um, uh, partnership there, or just coaches education in general, just it, it's refreshing to hear, Hey, yep. Dues went up, fees went up. Look at what we're doing. This is going to be a good thing yeah. for the future and sustainable. So I just appreciate that. And the honesty and the, the, the talk about why that, that mean, that means a lot yeah. to, to all of us. Thank you. 
Thank you. Kind words. I, I greatly appreciate that. Because one of the things that, you know, I, I'll, I'll be, you know, when I, when I was t thinking of taking this job, um, you know, one of the things that they, that the board asked me, um, you know, more than once was, you have to understand where we're, this, where we're at right now. And it's, you know, there's, there's a fire that's burning that we got to put out, but, but after the fire is out, we also need to engender um, some trust and rebuild our culture and our credibility because there's a lot of people who don't believe in us and don't trust us anymore because they've heard a lot of empty promises and they've done, you know, they over and over again, they get their hopes up and then they just get smashed because nobody does anything with those. And, you know, I'm a big believer in honest conversations. Nothing yeah. ever gets solved unless everybody's willing to sit around a table and, and, and throw things out there and say, you know what, that's terrible. That's terrible. That's terrible. And that we got to fix these things. But it, that only goes so far. What does make progress and what does get us back to where we want to be is the willingness to understand that, yeah, this really, some of these things really suck, but <laughs> we can fix them and we can do something about them and we can make a positive influence. It's going to cost something and it's going to, there's some pain involved. Change, no one likes change, but if we don't make some changes, we're not going to ever get where we want to get. So yeah. thank you for saying that because I think if people can embrace that singular idea, then I think we're really in the right place because that represents a huge change for us as a sport. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you, you just hit so many things, you know, when, when I was at nationals, I would call, we, our listeners have heard this a million times. I would call Aaron every night after nationals of hanging around coaches and different coaches and talking to them and, and just bouncing ideas. And, and I can tell you a lot of coaches are really excited with your leadership, you know, I think my, my interpretation from, from coaches and, and I'm relative Aaron and I are very green in like the idea of USA diving. Like we have no clue what the past has done. We have no clue what previous presidents have done. And that's a good thing. I think in this podcast identity, um, you know, and other coaches, they're like, uh, like Lee's a good dude. Like he's one of us, he's a diver, like he, and he's business savvy. He's so they're like, you know, we have really high hopes for him. We just hope he's here. You know, I think every time that was something common I kept hearing from other coaches, like we've had someone that's come in that has good ideas and then they're gone a year or two later. And, you know, so I think there, there's a lot of people in the USA diving world in the coaching world, especially that we, we believe in you. And I, and I really hope that things continue to work in that, in that way, um, kind of to segue, um, you know, you've done a great job at answering, you know, what's the future of USA diving, but what is USA diving do it, doing at this point in time to help grow our sport in the diversity area, you know, our sport uh, isn't the most yeah. diverse sport, but what are we doing to try to, um, to grow in that way? Okay. Do you, do you mind if I, I'm going to take a few minutes to answer this one, if that's okay. Yeah, go, you take as much uh, time as you need, sir. Please do. Yep. Okay. So one of the things um, I had been, I, I had been here for not a very long period of time, probably two, not, let's call it three months, even though it wasn't quite three. And the USOPC had Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting, trying to help to, to support the NGBs. And, and the one common denominator that kept coming up was diversity. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, whatever they, whatever they realized in, in their, um, you know, their self-inspection that they had to go through, their, their, their self-evaluation they had to go through because of what they went through with Congress was, we really need to be more inclusive. We need to really knock down walls uh, that, that exist. And sport should be one of the areas in our world that does that. It creates a level playing field that is based upon results. You know what I mean? It's not anymore about who you know or where you come from. It's yep. about what you do. 
And I really, that really mattered to me. It really made sense to me because I'm like, okay, hold on a second. We got to do, so we ginned up our DE&I council and there's some people who are involved in it that I would tell you who they are, but I have not asked if they're okay with me saying this. So I will just tell you that the idea was mine, but the execution was a lot of other people who are, who deserve so much credit. And if they decide they want to, you know, take credit for it and they want their names out there, I'll be happy to trumpet their names from the mountaintops. But, but the point is, we are a very gen, uh, homogeneous sport. So when I was diving, I, and I learned this the hard way, so this is why this is going to take a minute to tell you. I thought we were already really tolerant and really um, accepting and really diverse because of our, uh, you know, our non-judgmental nature about the people that dive. I mean, we are one of the least judgmental sports there is. And it doesn't matter what we're judgmental or non-judgmental about. It just, yep. that's just what I thought. I mean, growing up, I thought, God, I never heard anybody say anything about anybody that they shouldn't be involved in the sport or that they don't deserve this or they don't deserve that. But what I learned through being involved in the, the diversity, equity, and inclusion council and the other initiatives that are out there from the other NGBs is that we don't know what, there's a lot of things we don't know. So I'll give you an example. I'm a, I'm a 53 year old white guy, right? Um, I was faced very early on in an, in a USOPC NGBC council discussion where I was fairly outspoken about some things. I got presented with my limitations about diversity and why I'm not the right person necessarily to champion that in my sport. And I, I got offended quite honestly. I'm like, you don't know who I am. You know, nothing about me. I came from an underprivileged family. I never would have been able to go to college if I didn't get a diving scholarship. I, everything that I did, I worked for and no one handed it to me. And quite frankly, I'm offended that you would say that I'm a, I am a, a, uh, an end result of white privilege. That's what, they, that's what I was told. And I was like, I couldn't understand it. It didn't resonate with me at all and I got offended. But then I shut up and I started listening to people. And what I learned was, I don't know a lot of stuff and I need to learn a lot of things. And we collectively need to learn a lot of things and be way more willing to accept, be accepting of things that maybe we don't necessarily know, or maybe you do know, it's just not right. right. And so diversity in our sport is important, not just because it allows us to grow our footprint and to get more people to come to a pool and dive, but it's important because of the example that we can set for young people today and how we can do things that matter in, the, in our community as a whole. So I'm really a big fan of people who have the strength and the integrity and the character to be able to come out and say things that aren't popular, but matter from a, a holistic perspective. So if, if what you're looking for is what are we going to do as a sport? Um, I will tell you that one of our main objectives is going to be how do we reach out on a broader scale to underserved communities to get people in pools? Again, going back to what we said a little while ago, it doesn't matter if they become Olympic divers. What matters is to get that kid up on a board and teach him how to do some things, teach him some life skills that 20 years from now are going to make a difference to him and his family or her and her family as they grow. So uh, all I can tell you is I'm learning still, and I continue to learn, and, I, and, I, and I've changed my perspective on a lot of these things because there are people who are strong enough that they're willing to say, no, you're wrong. So that's not how it is at all. This is what you ought to do. This is how you ought to think about these things. And they're willing to do that. We have some incredible people in our sport, by the way, that, yeah. that are so smart and so capable and so able to do these things. And I wish I could tell you their names. I will absolutely come back on at some point after I've spoken with them and, and share their names with you, or you can bring them on and do podcasts with them and let them talk. 
but I just, I don't feel right in saying those names without asking. Yep. Understandable. For sure. <clears throat> yep. For sure. Uh, one, one more here before we get into some of our signature questions. Uh, what are your goals? Just your personal goals for in your term as, as president of USA diving short, long-term, what, what do you have in store? What are what are your goals? So there's, there's a, that's a great question. So the, the first, there's two near-term goals that we need to focus on right now. The first one is we need to really invest in and develop our coach education and development programs so that give coaches the resources and the, uh, the things that they need in order to be successful in running teams and coaching kids. That's probably goal number one. 1A would be expanding our footprint, growing ourselves into communities where there typically are not, uh, you know, diving teams or, or at least there's not a program available if a kid wanted to dive. And there's some really large communities where you take a look at them, there's no diving program there. Or if there is a diving program there, it's just not, it's floundering. It's not going anywhere because it's not supported well. But the reality is that that requires money. So the third goal is we need to get to a point where we're able to be self-sufficient from a financial perspective. We get a lot of support from USOPC funding-wise. We get a lot of support from our foundation funding-wise. But our budget is relatively small, and we don't need a ton of money to be able to, to develop and to grow these programs. What we need to do is have something that is self-sustaining and scalable so that at some point, like I said, I'm 53, right? I'm not going to want to do this forever. At some point, I'm going to have to pass the baton to somebody. I need yeah. to set that person up for success by putting the program in a place where it's sustainable and scalable and financially supported. So those are my goals. Sustainable, scalable, financially supported. Perfect. Well, we'll get right into our signature questions, Lee. We ask everybody who comes on this podcast kind of a series of, of these questions. And my first one here is what is your favorite failure or just your best learning experience? Mm. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, you mean within the sport of diving or just in general? It really could just be in general. Yeah. It doesn't have to be diving related, but it can be if that's the way you want to go with it. Okay. So um, let me back up to my, my business world experience. Um, I was executive vice president of a platform company. It was the very first acquisition of a, of a, of a parent company that became publicly traded. And we were wildly successful because we had a really good management team and we had really uh, creative people who were willing to push the envelope on, on uh, issues that prior to us forming these things were not done. And, and I won't bore you with the details. Let's just say we figured out ways to become profitable and grow and build culture and, and, and build uh, a structure that could sustain itself in the world of transportation, which really hadn't been done before. So great success, fantastic. And then because of it, um, our parent company, when they, when they bought this company that they put me in charge of in Indiana, um, they bought this company knowing that it had some issues and it needed a leader who would come in and recreate and restructure and fix the accounting and do a bunch of other things. So I walked in the door and I'm like, look, we've done this before. We can do it again. Here we go. And we started down the path of, of exactly what we had done prior to in the previous company that I was in. And in this case, I was in the CEO role. The guy who sold his company to my, to our parent company was transitioning out. He was, you know, seventies, bad health, so on and so on. 
So I walked in thinking, okay, you know what? We can do this. It's not, it, it's a, it's sort of a, a formula that I can put in place and we'll fix it. It'll take us a year or 18 months or whatever, but we'll fix it. And about nine months into the process, what I realized is that it was so broken that it couldn't be fixed. And that was crushing to me to think that I couldn't fix it. And it was beyond my control. And instead of fixing it, I had to basically carve it up and, and get rid of the stuff that wasn't working and, and support the things that were working so that the company could live on and, uh, you know, and employ the people that, were, that had been there for many, many years and so on and so on. So it was really crushing to me to think that that was the first time in my life where I really faced something where I'm like, I can't do this. I can't, there's, it's beyond my control. It was, it was tough. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. One more, one more signature question for me. We'll kind of go back to the USA diving brand here. Um, what's something that you're passionate and you're excited about within USA diving? Typically what I'll ask is if, if the coach on the other end of this call is a USA diving uh, club coach, I'll say, Hey, what, what advice or what changes would you like to see within USA diving? So I had to change it up a little bit for you. So what's something that you're excited about something that you're passionate about? Um, I think that, so the two things that, that I'm, I've have become signature items for me are um, keeping young, talented, intelligent people in our sport so that we don't lose them because there's no career path for them. I think that if we do, if we simply make a, create a reason why a young, capable person would stay in diving rather than go find something else, then we've, we've succeeded because we lose a lot of really smart people because there's no career path or it's a limited career path. And it's really challenging uh, to, for a young person, you know, a, a 24 year old person who's not, not going to dive any longer and they've got a degree or an advanced degree or whatever they got, and they can go to another area of business or whatever else and get, and I'm, I'm making things up here. So let me just, just bear with me. They can go get 70 grand a year, fresh out of college, working in the finance, in the world of finance, let's just say. But as a diving coach, and you're, you know, a 24-year-old person, and you're going to go and start a club. Well, even if you take a position with somebody, which you know doesn't mean you have to start your own business, but technically you go work for somebody else, you're not going to make 70 grand a year right now. It's it's rare. It's not the norm. And if we can't create that, we're going to lose a lot of really good, talented people because you can't raise a family on $28,000 a year. So I'm passionate about that, about figuring out how we create a career path for young, talented people and then allow them to make their own decision about whether they want to stay in diving and not get forced because of economics to go somewhere else. That's number sure. one. Number two, number two is we have to collectively come together and figure out, because I'm a competitor at heart, man. I'll tell you what, <laughs> anybody who knows me really well will tell you I'm one of the most competitive people you'll ever meet. And I think we all are. I don't think I'm telling you guys anything that you aren't also. But how do we get ourselves to the point where the, the, the performance that we just saw in Tokyo, and by the way, I could not be prouder of those kids that went to Tokyo. Yeah. It's amazing the things that they did. It is incredible what the job that they did in Tokyo after the BS of what happened the 15 months before. Yeah. I am incredibly proud of them. How do we create a situation where every time when we go to an Olympics or a world championships, a world cup, a world series, whatever it is, every one of our kids that go there have an opportunity or not just an opportunity, they have a real possibility to stand up on a podium and get a medal. Yep. 
And that's, and that means coming together to figure out within our culture, which is very different than some of these other cultures that have government funded programs. How do we create programs that allow kids and develop, I'm sorry, to develop the ability to compete on that scale and not just one or two, not just five, how do we get 10 or 12 or 20 of them that could go to a competition anywhere in the, in the world and compete for a podium spot? So, so those are, that's, I'm passionate about that. That matters Love it. To me. Love it. Um, so we have two, we have two more questions for you. So, uh, you know, Lee, this is one of my favorites is what's the best advice you have either given or received, um, throughout your lifetime. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So I do for Dick Kimball and, um, I don't know if you guys know, know Dick or, or uh, if you've ever had any experience with him, but, um, so in my, in my freshman year. Yeah, it must have been my freshman year. Um, and, you know, I was already a, a pretty accomplished diver. I was not, you know, it, anyway, long story short, when I showed up on campus, you know, I was a good student. I had all these things. I walked in and, in the door and I came in for practice. And um, our early season practices, you know, were like one a day, four days a week or something like that in September and October before we got really into the season. And one morning I show up and I'm half-assing it, right? I'm in there for morning practice. I don't want to be there. And he knows I don't want to be there. And I'm, and I'm just kind of going through the motions, right? I'm, I'm punching a clock. And, and at the end of the practice, he didn't do it in front of everybody, but at the end of the practice, he pulled me to the side and said, you know, your talent is not always going to get you through. There's going to be a lot of times in your life where you, if you don't decide and make a decision and a commitment, you're not going to accomplish what you can accomplish. Right. And I think that's probably the most, one of the most important things that I ever heard in my life was that if you're not willing to commit to something, um, you might as well not do it because the results yeah. that you're going to get are never going to be up to the standard that you want. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, come and, and by the way, I mean, just to kind of make a, uh, I'll make a joke out of it a little bit, but I'll tell you the truth is, so I'm about five, nine. I'm, you know, when I came in as to school at probably 170 pounds, something like that. Dick Kimball's probably five three or I don't know, five four, maybe in 125 pounds. And here's this little guy, old guy by the way, in my face telling me that I was not going to do what I wanted to do because I wasn't committed and questioning my intestinal fortitude, my my cojones, <laughs> so to speak. And it it really it really was something you have to face yourself and look at the fear and say, okay, you know what, this guy knows what the hell he's talking about. And you have to take it to heart. So um, yeah, it was probably the best advice I ever got in my life. That, that's all. That's awesome. Um, and then, uh, so my last question is who would you like to hear us interview next? Wow. That's a great question. Um, you know who I'd love to hear speak to people? Who's Ron O'Brien. Right. Ron O'Brien was, uh, was the coach um at one point i would tell you he was probably the the voice of usa diving and he was responsible for creating and developing more champions in our sport than than i don't know if i don't know about anybody but but more than uh, more than i know of and right. and i think the reason i say that is because most of the people who dove for him at one point would tell you that it wasn't only about diving right it was about about developing life skills and things that would serve you for the rest of the time that you are 
on this earth. And, and so I, I would love it if, and I don't know if he will, but I would love it if you guys would interview Ron O'Brien. Well, we, we tell everybody anytime someone gives us someone, we do uh, everything in our power to find some form of contact information. And we, uh, our entire podcast has been built on the idea of if we just ask politely, we'll get told yes way more than we get told no. And we've been shocked that it's worked so far. Um, so so we'll kind of, we'll kind of continue with that. Um, you know, before Aaron kind of does our send off, you know, just, uh, again, thank you for joining us. Um, I know whenever I came up to you at, uh, at nationals, I think you were probably like, what the heck, another diving podcast that's going to be on for two weeks and then it'll stop again. Um, and, and I really appreciate the fact that when we uh, emailed you, you followed up with us pretty immediately and, and, uh, you were open, honest and, uh, straightforward. And I think our listeners are going to be really excited to listen to this one. So thank you for your time. Absolutely. And, and so if, I, if you don't mind, I'll just add one, one last comment, which is, yes. Um, Anybody and everybody, you know, my, my contact information is out there. And if you've got, whether it's, whether it's productive input or not, and I prefer productive input, input <laughs> but whether it's productive input or not, if you feel compelled to reach out because you have something to say, please don't think I won't listen. And please yeah. don't think it's a waste of your time. Please, it takes all of us to make a difference. And, and let's, let's do this together. Absolutely. Yep, yep for sure. And, and that was going to be part of my little send off as well is, is uh, if anybody out there is listening and they want to reach out to us at uh, on Twitter or Instagram or Gmail, we're at the diving pod, we can send Lee a follow up email with some questions. If, if you'd prefer it to go through that avenue, that's just fine. Uh, we'll get those off to him and hopefully get things answered that way. But, um, you know, the one thing I, I, I wanted to say, Lee was thank you very much. I was I was really looking forward to this conversation. I knew you had a business background. And anytime that happens, usually the answers are pretty straightforward, straight to the point. So that's always appreciated. Um, the last thing I'll say before we go here is don't forget to get a t-shirt on cowingrobards.com. That's my family's business. We hooked everybody up with a free shipping option. You do have to enter a code at checkout. It's DivePod, D-I-V-E-P-O-D. DivePod, that gets you 15.50 off. I don't know why we were charging so much for shipping. I realize we're not Amazon, but at the same time, that was pretty outrageous. So we get free shipping now. Just enter <laughs> Dive Pod at checkout. And uh, yeah, we'll hook you up. I'll ship them out to you guys personally with a little message of it and send a message with everybody's shirt. So feel free to order there. And uh, Lee, thanks one more time. And um, yeah, we'll see you next time.